0: Oh my lord. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the ReZero podcast. What? The ReZero podcast? There hasn't been an episode of the ReZero podcast in months. That's right. The ReZero podcast has returned. And we're today, or I was actually going to do two chapters on this, but I decided to do one because chapter 121 of Arc 4 is so massive. So that's what we're going to do the podcast on today. And I also have to say, this is going to be. So different from any other podcast I've ever done on ReZero, as I don't have a co-host this week. None whatsoever. I won't have a co-host for Chapter 121 or 122. But for the rest of Arc 4 after this, I will be having a special guest. As well, I'm actually looking for a regular co-host for the ReZero podcast, so if any of you... Would like to become a regular co-host of the ReZero podcast for the ARC-4 podcast, then please put down the comments below, message me on Discord, message me on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to message me, and I will consider your application. (laughs) So with that being said, with all of that out of the way, let's talk about ReZero ARC-4, chapter 121 of the web novel, simply entitled, Help Him. So, this chapter starts off pretty great, it starts off with Amelia waking up, she's grasping the pendant that Garfield gave her, and this gives her reassurance that, yeah, Puck isn't here anymore, and she realizes, by the way, Amelia realizes in this moment that, because of this, that she won't be seeing Puck for a while, which is rather sad in hindsight, because Puck is a father to Amelia, and vice versa. So to not see someone you consider a father, someone you consider a a familial figure, not for possibly a very long time, it's very sad for her, but I do think it's sweet that she finds reassurance in that pendant that Garfield gave her. It goes to show that based off the beginning of Arc 4, these people were strangers and at times enemies, and now he's given Emilia this pendant that gives him hope, and she looks at that, and she sees that, and she she finds that that will to carry on in this moment, let alone throughout probably the rest of the day, I assume. But, after taking the trials, since Amelia knows more about her memories, we now get to see a fully powered up Amelia who knows all of her Uh, power she doesn't have to use the great spirit to use any of her magics now she can just use her magics without the great spirits and i love the way they described how much magical like power she has how much mana she has she says that she can feel this outrageous amount of mana from her gate when she focuses on it and that through all of this she's probably assumed that puck was drawing off of amelia's massive mana pool no, I don't know if this is, like a, this is like a Caster situation from Fate Stay Night. And yes, uh, everything's fate, people. Everything is fate, okay? I don't know if it's that kind of situation where Caster has, like, in Fate series, an unlimited amount of mana, practically. It's virtually limitless. I wonder if it's a similar situation with Amelia. Because we know, based off this little tidbit, that yeah, she has a massive amount of mana. But is it so massive that it's near limitless? I don't think so, but I do think it's a very massive amount that Puck is able to draw off that. And Puck is a great spirit, so it must be enough for a great spirit to, to use. But, Amelia has things to do, because it's something that not only are other people expecting her to get up and do and and be this potential ruler, but it's something Juice and Fortuna would expect from her. They would expect that greatness from her, based, based off what we saw in the last chapter. And... I find the way this scene ends, there's two things about this scene. One is that she wakes up and she goes outside and she sees Ram there, but the others are not there. That's one of the interesting things, which we will discuss later on in this podcast. But one thing that I love is that Amelia wants Echidona to like her. And I actually want to see this. I want to see Amelia and Echidona become friends in some way, or, you know, as much friends as you can get with, you know, being a, a half elf and, you know, the freaking witch of greed. But I like the approach that Amelia is taking to this. Like, oh, Echidona's not going to like me. Like, she doesn't like me already. She says she's probably going to get mad at me for a reason. She's going to say bad things about me. She's going to call me names again. But that doesn't make Amelia mad. Instead, that makes Amelia want to want to earn that respect from Echidna, and vice versa as well. It's a mutual thing, and it's something I want to see. I compare this to in Fruits Basket season two. I'm not going to say much about this if you're watching it. I'm going to keep as minor spoiler as possible. Uh, Rin and Toru, with their relationship, it's m- m- kind of the same. It's a little different, of course, but Rin doesn't trust Toru, and by the end, it seems they're inseparable. Uh, they they can't live without one another. It's one of those situations, and I don't think that'll ever be the case with Ekidona and Emilia, where they have that tight of a bond, but I do hope a bond actually just forms there, and it creates uh, an everlasting relationship between the two, and you know, it's it's like a it's like a dynamic duo. It's like a team up. You know, it's like something you want to see now. It's something that I didn't even want. But when Amelia said that, when she said, "Oh, I want her to like me," and I want I want us, you know, to be friendly with one another, I was like, "Hell yeah!" Like that's I. Why didn't I think of that before? That's such a great pairing. It's something I want to see. So I hope we see it in the future. That would just be really awesome for myself just to see something like that and i think for many people it would be pretty cool so we rewind time a little bit to before amelia's trials began and we see subaru with garfield heading to Roswald's hut i believe this you know it's the place where roswell resides, resides during this in that bed with all those bandages on and louise is there Louis, louise actually blocks their path from going any further and Garfield, I love this interaction right here. There's a lot of, like, really, like, friendly interaction between Subaru and Garfield in this chapter. And what I love about it is it starts really here with Garfield is kind of informed of, of this naming scheme. So, with, with, when it comes to Louise. So, Louise is Alpha, Omega, Theta. Um, this one is called Omega because, of course, Omega, as we explained in the last chapter's, She's, like, one of the only ones with, with a will left. So, that's that's pretty cool in of itself, and they explain it to Garfield, and Garfield thinks the name is so cool. He's like, why don't I get a cool name like that? And then Subaru is like, well, there aren't multiple of you, Garfield. We, <laughs> it, just, it wouldn't work. Uh, and I just... I thought it was so funny because Garfield, is, he's just so amazed by these names. Later on, in this scene, actually, he like he lights up. He starts glowing and has these the, this shimmer in his eyes to to these names because he's like, oh, what, we're gonna have to come up with ampersand or something for, for people. Uh, w- w- well, the actual names uh, were were gamma, ampersand, dollar, and pound, which Garfield just loves those names. Uh, And, and Louise is like, you guys became buddy buddies so quickly. And Subaru is like, yeah, men who trade fists with the, (laughs) with the evening sun as their backdrop are always pals. (laughs) I, (laughs) I love the fact that Garfield, Otto and Subaru have, have all like become like really close to him. Like they're all in one way or another. They're like really good buds. Like you just, like you want to see like a good buddy cop drama with these guys, like like something where they're just having fun or like a slice of life series where they're just doing stuff. I think that would be so fun. I think that would be so interesting. And that's the kind of dynamic that these three characters have, that they're just buddy buddies. Um so before they head in, Omega warns of Roswell State. And let me tell you, once they get in there, it's it's pretty crazy. But we see some interesting things with Omega. We, we see that what kept Omega going through all this and having this will was, was the feeling of the, the desire to not wanting to be left behind. And this makes her visibly sad about, about Sanctuary in general, and most importantly about her role in all of this. But very wholesomely, because Garfield is a wholesome kind of guy, you know. Garfield actually cheers up Omega, and this, he says, I forget exactly what he says, but he he basically says, oh, don't worry, cheer up, pretty much. And this leaves Omega to think about what he said. And you can see, they describe, the Tapes Nagasuki's writing is so great. They, they, he describes it in such a way as, her, her face is all scrunched up really trying to think about this and she's really sad and because of her role and about the sanctuary and how it's you know the sanctuary may not be needed anymore and Garfield oh that's what it was Garfield's like well everything had just become the sanctuary who cares um, And this this leaves her in thought and all of that sadness, all of that depression goes away and I, I really like that interaction between R- Louise and and Garfield. It was just a really good interaction and I enjoyed it quite greatly. But this all leads Subaru to ask if Garfield has a fever because he is saying super smart and embarrassing stuff, which I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, does he have a fever? Like he's, this is a Garfield we don't see quite often. He's usually a like a dunderhead or, or someone who's very boneheaded, boneheaded. And, well, he's very beastly. I mean, he's, Obviously not the very smartest guy, he's just 14, even though he looks like he's not 14, but he he is a very young guy, and he doesn't have things figured out, so to see this kind of thing from Garfield, it's like, whoa, like, Garfield, where did that come from? You just pulled that out of nowhere, that's pretty cool. And we get the little tidbit at the very end of this scene that Omega has kept herself a secret from all the others, so at this point, still, the other Louise clones do not know about her, which is pretty pretty cool. Um I think Omega is the one we saw at the very beginning. I think we saw her at the yeah, we saw her at the very beginning of the arc. So Yeah. Omega's pretty cool. I like her. So we get to this scene, this confrontation with Roswell, and he's just destroyed this room. I think this is something that happens every time, I believe. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read this arc, but this leaves his hands, like his hands are bleeding, they're like bloodied, and it, it makes sense because he's been in bandages this whole time, and he calls, I mean, he is obviously just disheveled, he is, he is not in a very good state because, you know, the gospel is, he's, we're not going by the gospel's writ at this point, things are changing, and it's kind of sending him, like, like we saw with Biko, It's sending him into this state of, like, despair, almost. Like, of, like, lost. Like, they don't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do. And so, Roswell just responds in this whole scene with with, with Venom. Like, actual Venom. And says to Garfield that he's domesticated. Like, he straight up calls Garfield domesticated. Which is funny, because... That's probably what Roswell would have called Garfield before if Garfield was working for himself. So it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, it's low-hanging fruit. These, these aren't really good insults to begin with because he would have done the same thing in his situation. So, like like, it's not very fair, I guess. He also says that Garfield has discarded the love for his mother, which is going to be something we bring up. Roswell is very blinded very blinded by so many things and the way he perceives things is just really wrong and Garfield through all of this though is unfazed by Roswell's words and it makes sense why Garfield is unfazed we've seen for the longest time Garfield gets mad at not those kind of trivial things because I think in a way Garfield's already internalized it he's already figured out like how he can handle things and it's not those things it's not insults that send him into a rage it's it's other things that tick him off and then that leaves these insults to come in and fill him with rage but if if you just come out of nowhere and you're like hey garfield you're you you hate your mother now he's like what And, and he even says he doesn't understand some of the things that roswell is saying so there you go i mean he even questions like Garfield, you know, how 10 years of love can be changed just by Subaru, a guy that he's known for, what was it, he said four days or something, just a matter of days, Subaru changes his mind and how all of that, you know, his love will will go away for his mother just because of that, and I mean... He even, he even says, you know, you know, to Garfield and Subaru that, you know, this power that Subaru has, this power that Garfield has, it's what makes them special and useful. And without those powers, they're just mundane people. To, and, and I feel like he's saying that in a way because he's using them. Um, and I, but, but at the end of the day, really what he's trying to say, he starts going off on Subaru and, and Garfield even more. And really, he's, he's talking a lot about feelings, He's talking about how can my love change how can this change how can your love change for your mother garfield how can your love for amelia change as a subaru stuff like that how can anything just simply change he's so used to the writ of the gospel that any kind of change even when it comes to his feelings is like well if it's changed throw it out it's done i will never i will not even waver on one single thing about my feelings and through all this, he wants his feelings to be validated. So Subaru does. Subaru validates his feelings, and he, he. But he still, he still goes on. It's not really getting through to him. The words are hitting him, but it's in one ear and right out the other. And he believes that everyone is weak for their feelings and for changing their feelings. It's it's very complicated what Roswald is going through right now. It's very. He's very much he's he's very lost at this point and he still says that he's heartbroken from the day that uh, he had to say goodbye to this person in his life and he's he's gone by 400 years without forgetting her and at this point it's it's got to be Echidona, right it's got to be Echidna. Th- maybe it was said in the last chapters i don't know i can't remember but you know my theory is that it's it's Gotta be echidna that he's talking about, but but how? I, I I'm not I don't remember. Uh, but Roswell goes to use, you know, his goes to fight Garfield, and Garfield because he because of Subaru he knows about Roswell's fighting style, and he's able to counter that and headbutts Roswell in the chest, and he falls to the ground during this uh, somewhere in this scene. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he falls into the ground, like, like, like Garfield catches him, and then lets him fall to the ground, really embarrassing, as he's looking up at both Subaru and Garfield. And he says, Garfield says to Roswell, he reveals that he's already taken the trials and he's passed the trials, and Roswell is floored by this. He doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe that Garfield could, could overcome, you know, his past, and actually... Take those trials and, and complete them. He never believed that to happen because, that's not what the gospel said. That's not what that's not was in the gospel, and he can't comprehend it without the gospel telling him. It's it's very interesting how many people in Rezero that have gospels, Biko and Roswell, come to rely on these things, as if it's it's a it's it means everything in their life. If the gospel said to jump off a bridge, they would do it. It's It's crazy. One of the great quotes in this chapter is, while all of this is happening, Subaru tells Roswell, he says, we're not telling you to warp these feelings. You've had all of this time for someone. We just want you to change how you demonstrate those feelings. If there aren't going to be sacrifices for it, then of course, we'll help you. And to break down what Subaru is saying in, in this quote, he's saying that don't change the meaning of what you're doing don't don't forget about the love that you feel for this person don't 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 change any of that that's not the issue the issue is how you act the issue is how you act out upon those feelings and your and how you want to complete this goal change that stuff and if you can't do it we'll help you we'll help you achieve that for you all you got to do is ask all you got to do is want the help And while this is happening, Subaru beautifully offers his hand to Roswell and he just doesn't accept it, which shows the state of that Roswell's in at this point, that he just doesn't want that help. And he tells Roswell that Amelia is going to overcome these trials after Roswell is like, well, Amelia is just going to run back to you after she fails again. He's already decided what's going to happen because... Once again, because of what the gospel is saying. And Roswell tells him that, that she's going to cry, she's going to fail, over and over again, no matter what. No, no matter what he Subaru believes, it's going to happen. And Subaru says, <laughs> I love this, Subaru says, have you ever even seen a woman's crying face or her crying face? And then he says, it's fucking horrendous. And I love that. Of course, you know, it's as a translation. It's probably not going to be kept in the final. It's probably not in the light novels or the actual language, uh, the original version of this, I guess. But it's it's a funny quote, I think. And Roswell says, uh, Amelia, she's kind of cursed at this point. She shares the same birth as the Witch of Envy. And Subaru replies that that's, that's not the way it is. Everyone made her the witch because nobody ever took her side. They kept telling her that she's a witch. They kept telling her she was going to fail. They never, nobody ever, nobody ever took to Amelia and said, Hey, it's, everything's all right. You know, we're going to help you. Like, it's always been, you are the half witch. And he also, Subaru during this, he has this flashback, this internal flashback to where he couldn't forget that Amelia looked exactly like the Witch of Envy Satella. But and while that while that frightens him, while he doesn't quite understand himself why that is, at the end of the day, you know, he he feels that Amelia just wasn't given the help that she needed from the very beginning. Nobody ever told Amelia, for example, this is his well this is what he says, it was all right to cry. That nobody ever told Amelia that that it's alright, you know, to have these emotions, to have these feelings, to, to have trouble. That's okay, that's gonna happen. And Subaru is gonna be that person to to do it, in that he declares that he is the knight to the silver half-elf Amelia, which was a great moment. But, at the end of the day, Roswell will not waver from any of this, and he threatens to bring the snow, which will bring the great rabbits. This, this scene was really tense really incredible as well but I love at the end Subaru just comes out and says what he what what everybody needed to tell Amelia like to tell them about Amelia and that is you know stop using her don't just don't just see her as this this pawn to use which is how Roswell sees everybody and I I love that he finally said that because it's absolutely true. That is one of the issues with Amelia, is that nobody ever trusts in her or really believes in her. I mean, Subaru didn't even for a while, he kept secrets from her. So I like that scene quite a bit. So we get the scene with the aftermath from Roswell. And this whole goal was basically to try to make him stop the attack on the mansion. But. But because of the way it ended, you know, with him saying he's going to threaten to bring the snow, it seems they may have done the opposite. And and w- really, that's the thing to take away from this, is that Roswell's not going to stop at this point, which is very, very bad. But some little tidbits about this scene that I love, this short little scene, was that Garfield actually likes Subaru's MJ pose. And Subaru's like, well, you know, in this world, that, that pose hasn't really gotten good ratings. And then Otto shows up and they form Otto and Otto is like, wait, so did you intend to make Roswell like mad at you? <laughs> and I, I just love Otto. He's, he's so like a little spazzy and always a little worried. Like, what are you guys doing? Like you ruin everything. <laughs> like, I, I love Otto. He's the best. And then, uh, but at the end of this little scene, I'm not sure what this means, but Garfield says, you know what? Forget all about what Roswell said at the end. It's all right. We can move on to a next plan. That was actually, you know, just a backup plan anyways with Roswell. So, you know what? I'll take care of it. I'll take care of the mansion. And we know Garfield's the strongest. So, are we going to see Elsa versus Garfield? Or what? I don't know. That's going to be a cool thing if we see that. The world's strongest versus big boobied Elsa. Moe Elsa. We'll see. We'll have to see. So we move on to the final scene in this chapter. It's a scene with Amelia and Ram. And actually, I think I think this scene is something that I find very surprising because I don't think we've had much interaction between Amelia and Ram in this arc. So when we see like an actual interaction where they're actually speaking, and it's just two characters speaking, by the way, which is something that in this arc, especially in the beginning, near the middle... You know, it's usually there's multiple people in a scene, so the only time we've ever seen really, you know, one-on-one speaking in this arc really the most is with Echidna and Subaru. So to see this with Amelia and Ram, this was quite out of nowhere and quite refreshing. Like, it felt really cool to see these two characters interact with one another, especially seeing how far both of them have come and, and knowing, you know, with Ram, it just makes Ram so interesting in this arc. So... Ram, at the beginning of this he finishes explaining everything to amelia what's going on and amelia I, lo- I love i love how this translation says she's a little miffed that they weren't waiting on her when she came out but i love that i love the i love the use of the word miffed it's such oh my god it just makes me laugh and yeah she was she was very sad about that but she realizes that their absence must be a sign of trust because if they didn't believe that she couldn't do it they would probably be there to help her out but cuz cuz as we know what happens usually is she's in this state this awful state of just laying on the ground in the middle of a nightmare and she comes out wonders aimlessly sometimes so yeah this was pretty cool to to see the realization on Amelia's face that yeah it kind of sucks that you know they weren't there to cheer her on when she came out but it, it's also a sign from them that, yeah, they trust... Like, Subaru especially trust that, that she was going to do it this time. And lo and behold, look what happened. She did it. And... Amelia asks Ram if Subaru actually loves her. Because she just has this moment where she's like, Hey, Ram, does Subaru actually really love me? And Ram tells tells her that Subaru has the most love for her, has the most feelings for her, and, and this, like, sends Amelia into a bunch of smiles and blushes, she starts covering her mouth with her hand. she starts looking down just like a, I don't know, like a shy schoolgirl or something, of, of a crush you know, telling her, you know, hey, I like you, it's one of those things and I, it's just so adorable I, I loved it, it was great and Ram actually has to apologize, because Ram didn't actually believe Amelia could do it, which I... I find rather interesting since Subaru and Garfield, you know, they believed that she could do it and it was Ram, you know, that couldn't, that almost couldn't, you know, let it fully realize in her brain or whatever that, that, you know, she couldn't do it, but she did. She proved Ram wrong. And she also believes that assisting Otto and Subaru led to a better future. That, that her helping them was, was the right choice. And, that Ram, after all of this, at the end of the scene, asks Amelia to save Roswell because, with a tear in her eye, she starts crying at the end of this, which was which is really sad. It really shows how much Amelia, er, <laughs> Ram cares for Roswell, which I think Ram is the only person in this goddamn anime that likes Roswell. Everybody else hates this guy, and Ram like cries over him, which is which is insane how much Ram cares about this guy, but it makes sense. Roswell is, you know, you have to think that maybe there's some fatherly kind of thing going on there in Ram's head because, you know, Ram's always being, Hermana's being replenished by uh, by Roswell all the time. So you have to think there's something going on there and that, you know, obviously Ram loves Roswell, so there's that as well, but he, uh, she, Ram, asks amelia to destroy the gospel by ascending the throne that that to to make roswell better that to fix roswell ram wants amelia to to completely destroy that thing and that yeah it may send roswell into hysterics it may give him no purpose or meaning in life for a while but so be it if that's what has to be done to make roswell better then that's what has to be done and this is the first time Ram has ever made a request of Amelia. Before it was, it's always been Amelia making requests of Ram. Of course, she's also a maid. It makes sense, but Amelia, because of this, because Ram is so feels so emotionally about this, is crying about this. Amelia uh, takes on Ram's request, and that's the end of the chapter. A, a beautiful end to this chapter. I, I I didn't expect this chapter to actually have so much in it so much stuff to talk about but it does and i i felt like i wanted to give this chapter its own podcast and discuss it break it down analyze it we'll see how this goes in the future what this episode br- or to <laughs> this chapter brings to the to re and its universe and i think there's a lot of stuff that happened in this chapter that was just really great And also as well, you know, this is the chapter after Amelia passes these trials, you know, and that was a big moment. Kind of been waiting for this moment for a while to Amelia Amelia to be able to finally pass these trials and to say that she's done it. This chapter was a great chapter. I loved this chapter just because we're getting to the end of arc four now. We got less than 10 chapters left now. And we're seeing all of these things finally come together. We're seeing a lot of stuff being set up for Arc 5. And we're seeing a lot of things finally closing out. Finally getting, you know, resolution. A lot of arcs, like Amelia's arc, you know, part of her arc is being closed up at this point with her passing the trials, saying, you know, things like she's okay with her past and saying that she wants to, you know, be more friendly with Echidona. These are things that, that are very great to see and shows that Amelia's character has been developing and it is beyond just, you know, this useless character like she was for most of this arc. So, great chapter. If you haven't already, go check out Arc 4, Chapter 121. I'm not going to leave links to download it because that would be against the YouTube ter- t- Terms of Service. So, if you want to ask where it is, then just go to Translation Chicken or type in Translation Chicken. Um, I can... YouTube can't stop me there. So, I can just I can just tell you who translates it. Um so with that being said, I want to thank everybody for supporting the Rezero podcast. Not only are we going to have uh, we're going to complete all of the arc this month on our 3rd year anniversary of the Rezero podcast. Thank you all so much for that. Subscribe and ring the bell like the video, of course, to to show your support. But as well, we're going to have tomorrow another ReZero podcast on chapter 122. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Please put down in the comments below what you thought specifically about this chapter. And as well, thank you guys so much for three years of ReZero podcast for supporting us. Greatly appreciate it. Me, Garfield, Cedric, Rising, anyone who's, Obi, anyone who's ever been on the ReZero podcast. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for supporting our vision of what the ReZero podcast is. Big thanks to Garfield, who can't be here to see um, the third year anniversary of our show, because he he left, but I owe a lot to you, brother. You're the best. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.